This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Welcome to 2020 Politics War Room with James Carville and Al Hunt. Uh, James, you're down in New Orleans, I think, uh, but I am here in Washington at American University. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And James, we, uh, as usual, are at American University. Uh, we are partnering with the Sign Institute there. You ought to go, everybody who's listening ought to go on the American University website and, and look at the Sign Policy Institute, the seminars they're having this spring on politics. James, you and I should take some of them. I think we could actually learn something. I think we could. I mean, that's a beautiful university. It is. I, it really is. It's Northwest Washington. It's one of the the, the prettiest and best schools you can imagine, and they and they have a fabulous president and uh, fabulous, um, you know, Amy Dacey runs the Sign Institute, and fabulous Kyle is our engineer right here with us. So man, we have a real trio here at AU, uh, and the AU Eagles women's team this afternoon plays Lafayette. Let's go out to the Bender Arena. Is it the Bender Arena, Kyle? And uh, and watch it, James. Um, the Senate uh, is going to vote to acquit Donald Trump out of, of high crimes, a foregone conclusion since the beginning, since McConnell put the fix in and hammer and they ignored what I think most of us would agree was an overwhelming case. But you know what's interesting about this, and I, I, I really want to get you to weigh in a lot on this. The defense shifted. First, it was Trump did nothing wrong. Remember, it was the perfect call. Then it was he really wasn't targeting them to dish dirt on Joe Biden. What he really cared about was corruption. You know, he was the Elliot Ness of 1600 Pennsylvania. And that that was funny. Finally, it was, well, yeah, he did it, but it wasn't an impeachable crime. You know, boys will be boys. But I just want to make one of the point. I was struck by the Trump lawyers. They were really an all star team for Trump. Ken Starr, the sex-obsessed Bill Clinton prosecutor who was pushed out of Baylor for ignoring <laughs> pervasive sexual assault on campus, as we noted last week. For the record, we had the lawyer representing some of the women there who put in great detail, in great detail, how, how utterly negligent Ken Starr was. Right. And he also, after that, you know, he also represented sexual predator Jeffrey Epstein, joining another Trump lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, who was a social friend of Epstein. But, James, it doesn't stop there. Next, there was Pam Bondi, who tried to oh, smear yeah. Joe Biden with a phony charge on corruption. Now, she was the Florida attorney general who got an illicit campaign contribution from Donald Trump in 2013. And then a few weeks later, guess what? She dropped an investigation into the fraudulent Trump University. And last but not least, ex-special counsel Robert Ray, Ray, maybe he is least, who was once arrested for stalking. I mean, what a team of lawyers. It's kind of like putting together a forum featuring Richard Sackler of the infamous Purdue Pharma scam, Ivan Boski and Bernie Madoff on corporate governance. I mean, it was really something. But, you know, it seems they're going to get away with it. What do you think? Yeah, the only thing I, I would say that they, I, this is what I would say, and this is what I think kind of secretly makes them nervous. This is a moving ball. It sure is. It's not going to stop. Right. You know, you have a trial, 
you, you, you acquitted, and then that's the kind of end of the thing. You, you go out in the courthouse steps and you say, great, I'm going home. This is just going to keep coming and coming and coming and coming. We don't have any idea of what's in John Bolton's book. We know he's naming names of people that win meetings, right? And we know that, that, that they, they can't do anything because they'll lose a primary. And so they basically sit there and say, well, look, you, you want me to do this? I'll lose a primary. You know, I may lose the general, Tom Dillis or, or Corey Gardner or Martha McSally. But you know what? If somebody says, if you get this surgery, you're going to live another three months, you're going to take it. And that, that's just a calculation they make. And McConnell holds, holds all the cards. But this is not, the evidence is not going to stop coming in. It's just going to keep coming and keep coming. And, and they got all these court cases. I don't know what, the, you know, much confidence in, in the judiciary anymore, but you never know. They, 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 in the past, they've, they've like thrown a wrench into this kind of thing. And I'd be mortified. That is such a telling point. Just think what's come out in the last week. We've learned much more from John Bolton than we knew one week ago. And anyone who right. thinks it's static analysis uh, just doesn't understand Trump. Let me call out just a few senators for special recognition. There was Lamar Alexander, who I first met 40 years ago with Howard Baker. And I thought, boy, this may be another Howard Baker. He's turned out to be nothing but. Uh, he is a weak senator who cared more about Mitch McConnell than getting to the truth. You know, I remember when he ran for president of New Hampshire. Remember, James, he said, cut their pay and send them home. Term limits for members of Congress. Well, he's been there 18 years. You know something? He hadn't cut his pay. Uh, and then he came up with this absolutely ludicrous rationale. Yeah, he did it, but I don't want to hear any more witnesses. I don't need to know anymore, and I'm going to vote to acquit him. Uh, Lisa, who we call her Lisa McCowardsky. Uh, and then there was finally Ted Cruz. He has become now a Trump sycophant with all kinds of specious legal reasoning. He used to, remember only a few years ago, Trump suggested his father might have been complicit in the assassination of President Kennedy, and he said that Cruz's wife was ugly. Now we understand why John McCain said Ted Cruz was the most unpopular person in the Senate. And just finally, I would say I covered the Senate many years ago when I covered Congress. I love the House more, actually. <coughs> but I had a certain reverence for the Senate as an institution. Whether it was led by Mike Mansfield or George Mitchell or Howard Baker or Bob Dole, no one could have a, uh, any kind of reverence for the Senate now. It's a, it's a sham. It's a travesty. It's really a disgraceful body, and never more so than this week. Yeah, you know, it's, it's about, we've had this conversation a gazillion times since probably the late 80s. You, you're in an, an eternal search for the good Republican. All right, that somebody that kind of stands up. We're just dying for Jake Javits or, or I don't know who, you know, Chuck Percy to come back. They ain't coming back. Forget about it, okay? That's just what it is. And you saw this on display. Lamar Alexander was a governor of Tennessee. There was a time when he was so popular he could have won a Democratic primary. He was the president of the University of Tennessee. Until this, he had what, what I would have— said a, a, maybe a career I disagree with, but at some level, an admirable career. And he just throws it over the fucking fence. And, and I understand that he couldn't go home. I understand, you, you know, I mean, Senator Corker, who, who, you know, they did, look what they did to him. He was a good mayor of Chattanooga. This is, this is they, 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 everything is carpet bombed. And you're just not going to find, the, the whole Susan Collins thing, was it just a total setup? All right? And, and they can, Mitt Romney is a one term senator. 
they're going to primary his ass, I can tell you. But maybe not, because by the time all of the evidence comes out, they might reelect him. I'll take that back. He has some chance to be reelected. And, and Utah, of all places, is not Tennessee. He, he's not my endless search for the perfect Republican. But I think he did this. I, you know, I really give Romney credit on this one. I think he did this out of conscience. Uh, I don't think he didn't. Uh, Susan Collins had her finger to the wind. But uh, this was done, and I, he got a lot of heat. That new woman uh, senator from Georgia who's petrified that uh, Doug Collins, who made a fool of himself in the uh, House Judiciary Committee, is going to beat her in a primary. So she went and had been a Romney supporter and now accused him of being a, uh, you know, a, a liberal Democrat or pandering to him. I mean, the whole thing is just makes you sick. Let's unpack Georgia for a second. Because there, there, there is a real political story to be told by Georgia. So Senator Isaacson, who's actually a friend of mine, ran, ran against Zell in, in 1990, been knowing him. I've, I've gone to dinner with him, and I, 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 I get along with Senator Isaacson, okay? I don't think he's a particularly courageous politician, but he's our good guy. So the governor has a near-death experience with Stacey Abrams, who I always thought was smart, until she said that she was going to be president by 2040, which tells me that she'll never be president because she said that. And yeah. any smart person, although I'm sure she wants to be president, yeah. no smart politician would ever say that. Right? That, that, it's almost a disqualifying thing to say. Now, so, so Brian Kemp, who was the right-wing governor of Georgia, saw what was in front of him. So the Trump people wanted to put Doug Collins in there. And he saw what was happening in the suburbs. And he puts in Kelly. She, of course, you know, thinks she's in the establishment lane. You're not in the establishment lane, woman. You better get in the goddamn Trump lane or you're done. Now, but there are two people up. And my sources in Georgia tell me the Democrats are on the verge of recruiting two really good candidates. Right? This is not. And in, in, in Kemp has lost control of the Republican Party in Georgia because he's conflicted. He, he knows he can't mm-hmm. win re-election with the same demographic deck that he had, with, with a different demographic deck than he had in 2018. And he was trying to escape it, and they wouldn't let him escape. And if, if, if Chuck Schumer and J.B. and the entire Democratic Senatorial Committee doesn't go into Georgia, and I mean go in there like Sherman went in there, like— all in. All in. They're crazy. They have a chance that you pick up two Senate seats. It would be malpractice not to win one of those Georgia seats. And we got, a, we got two. Yeah, you could pick up we two, got, but you got at a minimum pick I think, up one. Yeah, I, 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 they actually thought before that the Purdue seat would be a little easier than the office seat. I don't think they think that anymore. I think they're both equal. And we got, I don't want to say names. That's but, the incumbent but, Senator David Perdue. Yeah. Right. I, but they, 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 they're on the verge of getting two good recruits, two good recruits. Well, that would be, I mean, if the aforementioned Stacey Abrams really wanted to be president in 2040, she'd have been one of those running for the seat. It would be better. I mean, I don't know who those are. You're much more informed on that than I am. But I think it'd be better to get a strong African-American candidate for one seat. I'm, I'm just not comfortable putting names out because friends of mine, Told me, but but That's but, fine. but but That's but but at, at any rate, I think you're on the verge of a, a really good combo going in, and uh, knowing that you know Senator Schumer, you know he 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 ain't gonna give up on this. I, I don't have any doubt. No. 
No, I think you're right. Uh, and that was a that was a consequential vote. And now Collins is primary, and Collins getting in the primary now, and he's going to beat her. She's going to she she's trying to prove she's a Trump person. Right. He's going to beat her. I mean, th- th- Georgia is something that we should follow in this show. We should follow Georgia in this show. Well, and that it is really Georgia and North Carolina. Georgia and North Carolina. Let's make those two states uh, prime subjects. I was born in Georgia, so I'm kind of sympathetic to it. Yeah. But and well, and also North Carolina is a Senate race, a oh, governor's definitely. race. Oh, definitely. North Carolina. I, I, the Democrats will get a higher percent in North Carolina than they will get in Wisconsin. That's my prediction going into 2020. House races, I mean, it's really big. Let me go back to the uh, impeachment vote, though, and the point that we were making earlier that more stuff is going to come out. I think, you know, there's like, it, this is future shock. So much happens. You forget on Thursday what happened on Wednesday. John Bolton came out, and John Bolton is a guy who I have disagreed with 98% of the time, but no one has said that John Bolton is not a person of his convictions. One of the complaints against him by his critics is that he is a person of his convictions. He's been accused of a lot of things, a lot of bad policy uh, views, and the like. I've never heard John Bolton called a liar. Uh, but and so he and he also is a meticulous note taker. So he is claiming that he was in this meeting that Trump, two meetings at least, that Trump directing him to do this. Trump, of course, as always, and all the minions, sycophants around him say, oh, he's wrong. He's a liar. Well, interestingly, John Kelly, John Kelly, who was Donald Trump's chief of staff, Donald Trump appointed him uh, a former decorated military veteran uh, who knows all the people there said, I believe John Bolton. He takes notes. He's honest. I think John Bolton is there. And for the Senate not to call him makes it half a trial. That's from John Kelly. That I mean, you if 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 I am Martha McSally or Cory Gartner, there's going to be more John Kellys in the next two, three, four months. Uh, and I guess they're I guess you know they're just so scared that they can't uh, uh, they have to ignore they have to put their conscience and their integrity in a blind trust. So let's contrast let let let's contrast two people, all right? Rex Tillerson and John Bolton. Right. When Rex Tillerson was appointed, there, there was a kind of general convergence that, yes, he's a Republican, but he said, uh, he was the head of uh, Exxon. He, he was the head of the Boy Scouts. He, he, was, he was a great Texan. Uh, he, he would know something or whatever. He has been reduced to a, a, a pile of salt, right? He's a humiliated, disgraced old man. John Bolton was like thought to be this internal, really ideological, right-wing guy that couldn't even get confirmed by a Republican Senate, right? But the problem there is he bought a knife, he bought a gun to a knife fight. Yeah. And he's, he, he's, he's a guy that knows the, ins- you know, like, like maybe Rex Tillerson knows the inside of the energy business. He knows the inside of Washington. And Rex Tillerson allowed himself to be humiliated. Bolton said, "No, not not so much, guys." And that's uh, that's the, that's the danger of when you insult a hundred people, the odds are one will come forward, and that's exactly what happened here. Somebody came forward, and and if you, you look at all of these other people who stood there, who were humiliated, who were disgraced, who who were fired by somebody else, and you know they got that they got what they deserve. I I, I in some sense, I want to feel sorry for Rex Tillerson. In another sense, man, you, you were just weak. You were weaker than rainwater. 
it, I've just finished the best book I have read on the Trump administration. Far better than uh, uh, even Bob Woodward's or, you know, any of the others. Uh, and it's called A Very Stable Genius. There's a lot of irony in that title uh, by the two great Washington Post reporters, Phil Rucker and Carol Lennig. And I mean, you read it. And even if you know a lot about it, even if you have a very, very uh, jaundiced negative view, you think there is a corrupt criminal who is unstable in the White House, you're shocked by some of these stories. And, it, and it's page after page after page, and it's detailed. It's with great specificity. Uh, and I would say anybody who's on the fence, and those senators, that should have been required reading this week. It don't matter. They could read, they could read anything. They, they, they don't want to lose a primary. Let's turn to the Democrats in the Iowa caucuses, which is uh, on Monday. After spring training, opening day is on Monday. Uh, and the stakes are huge for particularly for Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, who based on at least a little bit of reporting out there are one, two. Everyone's waiting for tonight for Ann Selzer's final Iowa poll. Uh, and we'll find out. Uh, I, I, you know, something I everybody seems to think of the conventional wisdom is that Bernie's going to win Iowa. He has the surge. I just have a hunch that Joe Biden might might surprise, uh, which he usually doesn't do. And but if he does, I'm going to give credit. I'm going to give credit to Joni Ernst and some other Republicans, because I think the efforts to smear Biden have backfired and created a certain vote for him that might have not have been there beforehand. I, I hope you're right. Uh, I, I actually think I, I, I've been in California, been doing a bunch of events. I did things. I've, I've come to a, a, a weird conclusion. To some extent, maybe the best storyline is for Warren to do better than people think. Because a, a rejuvenated, chastised Warren is going to be much harder for the Bernie bros to, 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 to have a schism. And if Biden is nominee, and I'd be totally 1,000% happy, everything, you're going you're gonna to have a schism. And, and you don't need much. Nader costs us the presidency. Jill Stein costs us the presidency. I am worried sick about a splinter effort in a Democratic Party. Sick. I don't think Trump has any hidden power. I don't buy any of that. But what he can do in, 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 with the Electoral College, if he has a splendid Democratic Party, he can get back in. I think the best hope for a unified Democratic Party is that you have a rejuvenated Warren that comes back. I don't know if she can. I don't know if she can. But if she does, she has redemption on the side. And then she can say, I learned a lot. And she can quit chasing Bernie's left tail because she found out that's not going to do you any good. These people want the real thing. But that's, that's my kind of thought right now. I, it, but I'd be happy out of my mind if Biden ran yeah, first. I, I, I agree with you. I think she may have lost that opportunity. I think if she had done that a month ago, it, w- it was possible. Maybe but I so. don't know I, that. I, I, I mean, I, maybe I, we'll all be. I was surprised I, I, I in the past. I don't know. And it, and, it, and it may again, well, but right it. now indications are she's not going to do that. Right. And if Bernie wins it or, you know, wins New Hampshire, I think it's going to make it even harder. She would be very hard for the Bernie people to walk away from. I agree with that. And, you know, walk away is what a lot of them plan to do. They, they plan to do it as part of their scheme. It's, it's what they are. they are. And the Democratic National Committee made a colossal mistake. They caved to Bernie a year or so ago, and they said the superdelegates could not vote 
uh, on the first ballot at the convention. Now, let me just go through this for about 40 seconds. What superdelegates are, they are the elected officials. They are the Democratic Party. They're the people who voters send to the House, who voters send to state houses. Uh, You know, that is what the party is supposed to be all about. And the fact that they were 15 percent or 17 percent of delegates at a convention uh, they are they are not all establishment uh, candidates at all. They went actually they swung for Obama in 08 when Hillary was the establishment candidate. But what they do is they understand both two things, winning elections and governing. So they made a huge mistake. Now it would be a huge mistake to try to overturn that, as some are talking about, because that'll just give the Bernie people even more ammunition. And I, it's a real danger. The whole thing is just fraught uh, with explosiveness right now. Well... You're not going to like this, but I'm just going to say it. Bernie has never been vetted because he ran against Hillary, and you couldn't vet anybody that was running against Hillary because the theory was that she was going to win, so you had to keep the vote total down. I I agree with that. And and that's why the New York Times said the Russians were not involved on behalf of Trump. But that's what I think. He's sitting out there, and, and he has never, never, this guy is, like, running first. He ran for president before, and if it wouldn't be for, for John Chait and Ron Brownstein, we would know nothing about him. And I, I am sorry. And if you talk to people in the press, they say, well, have somebody bring it up. They never had to have anybody bring up anything on the Clintons. The, the, the press was gleefully out there sending people, making deals with the guy that did the Clinton cash book. Cash book. Let me repeat that. The New York Times made a financial deal with the guy that wrote Clinton Cash, all right? It, 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 am I speaking the truth? Is that true? I don't know. I, I know. Of course it's true. I, I, I'd like, I, I would agree that Bernie has not been vetted. And what happens, what happens is that you go and Bernie is uh, the only criticism, are you for public option or are you for single payer? Big debate over that. You know, that is such child's play compared to what the Republicans would do to him in the fall. Uh, and and if, if, if the, the press and the other opponents don't do more now, uh, I don't think Bernie's going to be the nominee. But if he is, it would be just a total disaster. Let me repeat. The New York Times had a financial deal, a co-publishing deal, with a guy that wrote Clinton Cash. That's a fact. It's a fact that Jill Stein well, was a Russian Bernie. agent. I, I, uh, I'm, but I, 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 we can't whitewash history, all right? They just can't whitewash history. We can't say, well, it's just where it is. What led to this in American politics is, not, it is in part because of that, all right? It's in part. It's not totally. And if you look at it, but we just can't deny history. You just can't deny history. History is history. They did say that. How many? Look at the Harvard study. I'm telling you, it's true. They made a deal with the Clinton cash guy. Okay? Go look at the Harvard study as to how many goddamn email stories they did. The whole press. And we say, well, it just happened. James, I've not only looked at the Harvard study, I have taught a course on the Harvard study. So I am well aware of that and well aware of the critiques. And I think the issues now is where are we? Where are we today and what's going to happen in the next couple of months? And I think the Democratic Party has a golden opportunity. Trump cannot win this election. But there is a very good chance, the way it's going, that the Democrats could blow this election. And it seems to me that that is that that really is a threat that's beyond anything we've ever had before. And I think that's it is a very good chance that the party splinters 
But we do a show that people listen to us for something more than cable TV, all right? And there are people that caused us to get to this point in American politics, all right? No single person or no single entity or institution is totally responsible, but there are complicit people out there, and they are. And I'm, ju I'm just going to name them. I don't care. What are they going to do to me? It just, it just is. I, I have a gazillion friends there. Right? I look, I've counted the number of people that work at the New York Times that I have on my cell phone. But we ain't whitewashing this anymore. I'm not. All right? So we'll, uh, let's move on because I'm scared to death. I'm petrified for the United States. Yeah, I think the New York Times is a great newspaper that is, like like all great institutions, right. has made yeah, mistakes. Yeah, that's a, they're right. right. Let's yeah, move on. Mistakes are made. I was just going down a highway and some, there was just a goddamn mistake. I mean, look at the Christopher Caldwell book. Basically, people like me, right? I'm 75. I grew up in Southern politics. And I always, in the back of my mind, thought this entire thing was about race. People said, oh, no, it's about uh, the military and fiscal responsibility. It's about, you know, Clinton's sexual escapades. So the leading light bulb of the conservative intellect says the entire thing started with the enforcement provisions of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Okay, you in North Carolina in 1964, I was in Louisiana in 1964. What do they think? It was just people were going to voluntarily comply with it? Do, do people really believe that? And if this guy came out, and, and all of the, the conservatives, yes, he has a great point. It was, a, it was the rewriting of the Constitution. It was the second Constitution. Gary Wills, according to these people, was wrong. Lincoln didn't rewrite the Constitution at Gettysburg. The Constitution was rewritten because of the enforcement provisions of the Civil Rights Act. It's like, okay, thank you. I'm 75. Somebody came up and said, you know, James, you and all your friends were right. And thank you. Let's move on. There is one person who knew that at the time, and that was Lyndon Baines Johnson, who predicted exactly what has happened would happen. And, uh, I mean, we all should be, this is a much better country because of what they did in 1964 and 65 and 68 with that legislation. But you're right. Uh, it, 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 it enabled those who both overtly and those who covertly today play the race card. And that's a key part of, uh, unfortunately, that's a key part of the Republican constituency today. We now know, all right? It is here. It, it, I, 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 I read this guy in the FT every now and then. He seems like a good writer, you know. I thought he was a. He is. He is. If you read the reviews of this book, he is an intellectual god to these people, and he was being totally honest. He was being totally honest, and and it didn't just matter in the South. It mattered in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Minnesota. And, and, and you name it, it mattered. Iowa, it mattered in Oregon. Right? It, 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 the reason I dredge up history is because history is actually instructive. There's something to fucking learn from this. And this is, this is the foundation. You, you know, you can't say it, and they say, well, gee, why did Ronald Reagan go to Philadelphia, Mississippi to open his campaign? I know why. I know why. 
And I, I've, I've seen all kind of apologetic, oh, well, it was, just, it was just about, you know, people controlling their own destiny. Oh, come on, man. I got, I've listened to this crap all my life. I live with it. And I, 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 I'm nice. I, I know exactly what is behind this. And I've always known it. And it's, now it's confirmed to me. So we'll, we'll move on. But that, 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 I've, I've always thought that. You and I have had 5,000 phone calls. You know I've always believed that. Yeah, I do. I agree with you. I agree with you. We're moving on to a really high level, though, James. Okay. Now we turn to our favorite part of the program, Christy Numbers Harvey, who not only is with us today, James, she's here at AU in person. And the only thing better than having Numbers Harvey uh, on her microphone at home is having Numbers Harvey in person. Right. Yes, it's a, it's a rare uh, Christy Harvey sighting. Hi, fellas. How are you? All right. I have two numbers for you today. Um, I'm going to start off with one that is an issue that's really close to my heart, and I'd love to hear you guys talk about it. Uh, 3,907. So that's how many people in Arizona accidentally voted in the wrong precinct in 2016. Uh, and under former Arizona law, that meant those votes were just thrown out. They did not count out of there. Uh, the same went for anyone who gave their sealed early voting ballots to somebody else to mail. They were thrown out, out of there. But this week, a federal appeals court ruled that these kinds of restrictions will no longer stand, uh, in large part because, as you guys know, uh, they penalize um, people who live in poverty. They penalize African-American and Latinx voters. Um, so I think this, to me, is really good news. But, Al, I know this is something that's been really close to your heart for years. Um, well, I, 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 you know, praise that federal appeals court judge. You know, this is the tip of the iceberg. This is part of a very concerted effort by mainly Republicans and conservatives to disenfranchise people. We talked earlier about those seminal civil rights bills that increased opportunities in the franchise back in the 60s. They're now trying to reverse a lot of this. Georgia, Wisconsin. In Arizona, fortunately, the guy running for Secretary of State wanted to print all ballots in English only. Now, guess who that was aimed against? And, uh, you know, Stacey Abrams, who we talked about earlier, probably lost that Georgia race because they threw so many people off the rolls. They ended early voting in North Carolina for they excuse me. They ended one week of early voting in North Carolina. Guess who that disadvantaged? African-Americans, young people. It's going on everywhere, and it really is a disgrace. Uh, And, you know, three cheers for that federal court of appeals. But, boy, this is going to have to be litigated every single day between now and November because that's the effort. They think if we can't win legitimately, we got to throw people off the uh, rolls and win that way. James, how do we use this success to build Uh, success in other places and and really get this momentum moving again? So what, what you have to do is in a Democrats have never perfected this is something <laughs> called politics. The way that you excite people about the right they have is to tell people that somebody is trying to take about. And Albert, I disagree. This is not mostly from conservatives. It's a hundred percent. It's not mostly. There's there's no other culprit in this. All right? That, that they know they're not gonna win these states <laughs> if you if you let people if you let people vote. All right? And they're gonna do everything they can to stop people from voting. And you need to do everything you can to tell people and, and run ads, run, go on the Internet, go on social media and say, these are the people that fought for your right to vote. 
And now you're not going to, and they're still fighting against it. And the fact that Martin Luther King is dead uh, or, or Vernon Jordan is uh, old and out of the game or, or, or John Lewis or anything else, you have to pick up the torch. You have to make this about something bigger than just going out and vote. And, and, and if the Democratic Party uh, or, or these interest groups don't start doing this and stop filing these, or you can go ahead and file all the legal briefs you want, and you may win a, who knows, some court may, every now and then is going to let you win a case. You have to go out and energize people in the sense that somebody fought to give you a right, and that right is not in cement. That right is being challenged now, and it is up to you, you individual, to exercise that and fight for that. If you do that, you, 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 can, you, can, you can really affect an election. We just give up. We just let people run over us. But why do you think we won six out of the popular vote in six out of seven elections? We let the fucking Bush v. Gore run right over us. And just accepted it. And I'm going to go back and read editorials. So I just got, well, that the court spoken as well. We're national laws. And they were people that I know that are petrified by Trump that kind of agreed with it. And this is, the, 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 you're not going to beat this thing by, oh, well, it's just one side has a point. Well, maybe we have a better point than they do. No, telling somebody you can't vote is not, telling somebody you can vote is not a better point. It's the only point. The only point. Well, not only is it the only point, but they come up with this absolutely phony excuse that there is voter fraud. Let me just give you one example. North Carolina tried to do it. They said, well, there's voter fraud. Now, there was a very good study done by a couple of professors, uh, and they found that basically out of 4.8 million people voting, this wasn't fraud. 508 votes might have been illicitly cast, usually by mistake. That was one one hundredth of one percent. At the same time, ending that one week of early voting, it is, they, they concluded, meant that about 18,000 voters couldn't vote, dis- almost overwhelmingly young and, Afri- uh, and, and African-Americans and Latinos. 508 versus 18,000. It's a total scam, uh, and it's going on all over the place, and it really threatens the core of a democratic system. But what about Hillary's right. email? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> the only quibble I have with you guys is I don't think we consider. <laughs> I don't think we can sit around and wait for the Democratic Party to take up that fight. I think we have to. Everyone who listens to this podcast, take ten minutes right now. Be a real war roommate and post something about how angry you are that they're trying to take away your right to vote, how much you support things like this Arizona uh, law being overturned, and take the fight to the streets. I agree. You know what? I got a number for you, Harvey. Okay. Go ahead. I got one number. I got four. Okay. My three favorite females are Mary... Maddie and Emerson, my fourth oh. is you, Christy, so you're number <laughs> four. I'm going to tell Nancy Pelosi that you said that, by the way, James. I love you. <laughs> oh, All right, I'm I got cheating one. on Nancy, goddammit. Oh, Judy, <laughs> or anybody, okay? <laughs> All right, I got, I got one more, and that's 54. So you guys know, and give me hell for it, but I'm a sports monogamist. Like, baseball has my heart. I'll cheat on baseball once in a while with a little basketball. Every once in a while, I'll step out with a little tennis. But I I, I have one true love. So Super Bowl Sunday isn't usually my thing until this year. Um, I didn't even know who was in the Super Bowl or kind of when it was. But then I saw a commercial for the Chiefs that was so heartwarming and got me all fired up and their whole backstory. So now I'm totally in the tank for the Chiefs. Um, But no one should listen to me because I literally am making all of this decision on a 
commercial with a puppy in it that made me cry. So, uh, <laughs> James, where are you going with this? Who do you got this weekend? Our, our original thing was called Two Old White Guys. Yes, yes. Okay. Andy Reid is an old white guy. I'm pulling for Andy Reid. Shanahan has, one of us. can win <laughs> 10 Super Bowls every <laughs> night of time he retires, all right? So I am so – I, I yeah. identify – and, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for being a racist, but I identify with old white guys. They have a soft spot in my heart because I identify with old African-American guys, Hispanic guys, too. But, okay, that's probably a misogynist. No. That, that, but, no, I am pulling for Kansas City desperately. And Mahomes said, you're a baseball person. And, but what's happened in sports, when Alvin and I grew up, if there was a ball, we were fought. I, I don't, I'm not a baseball guy, football right. guy, basketball guy. I like any – if it's in season and somebody's throwing it, hitting it, catching it, kicking it, I'm for it. I don't give a crap. And I'm I'm excited going into to this season All about right. the Nationals. I've already got my preseason thing. No, no one in the world was more excited about college football than I was. I'm actually – people come in and say, hey, I don't care about the Super Bowl anymore. And I, you know, for a while, because we were out of it, now I care. I'm a, of course I'm going to watch the game Sunday. And, of course, I'm going to pull for Kansas City. And I know that the Saints All got right. robbed last year. But it doesn't matter. I just keep coming back. I'm just, I'm just a sucker. And, by the way, watch out for the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm just warning. I'm just telling you, watch out. These sons of bitches are coming, man. They are coming. And, and, and you know, I, now they, the Greek freak is coming to town, and James, I'm going to be out of town. You, and you have told me a lot that proved to be true about politics. Who told you Zion is going to be? You did. Zion is going to be the brand this year. You did, and is he ever? Right. He is, and you did, and I'll give you credit. But you were you were not alone. Now, I mean, but I I saw Peter Gruber, who who is I was raising money in 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 Beverly Hills, and he owns part of the Warriors, and he's a really 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 small guy. I think he also owns part of the Dodgers. I'm not sure. And there's some concern, and you should ask knowledgeable basketball people about this that Zion comes down too much on one leg. And given his weight, that he can do that for a few years, but it's going to tear him up. Yeah. And he's got to learn how yeah. – you know, I, 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 I do know Peter is a really, 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 really smart guy. All right? Now, maybe somebody I, – I, I'm not saying that's 100% true, but I'm going to inquire about knowledgeable people, and you know a lot of people in high-end sports medicine – and is this a concern, or is this just something that yeah. somebody on the wall has well, told I, him? I, boy, it makes sense. It does. It does. And you think about it, you know, that guy weighs 280 pounds. I've never seen anyone that big who's that explosive. And when you that, put oh, those yeah. two together, I think that makes a, you know, a great deal of sense uh, to be and, a concern. Uh, you, know, you know, by the same token, going, going back to the Super Bowl, um, you know, I thought Lamar Jackson, you know, deserved the MVP, the Ravens quarterback. But this is kind of a, a you know, the football equivalent of Zion. You can't run the way he ran for another eight, ten years and survive in the National see, Football League. See, Michael Vick. By contrast, Patrick Mahomes runs when he has to, and he's great when he does. I think he is now – he is the Tom Brady in the sense that he is the best quarterback in the NFL. And I'm with you. I'm pulling for the old white guy coach, Andy Reid. Uh, and uh, I'm also going to go out on a limb and predict the Chiefs by three. That's a real limb. So, huh? I, I have to take. Go ahead. Go I, I, I want to I do a Christian number. 250. Sunday, my home church parish, St. Gabriel Catholic Church, is celebrating its 250th anniversary as a church parish. The church that I made my first communion in is the oldest standing house of worship 
in the entire Louisiana Purchase. Uh, you know, we have a, in the United States, we have a shorter history than most people. If you go to, you know, Rome, you find a church that was built in 900 or something, all right? But that is a pretty remarkable thing. And my parents are buried there, my sister, my brother. And it, it is a remarkable thing, the fact that the 250 years, and that church is still standing. I think it was built in like 1767. And it, you should go online and look at it because people had no architecture. Tell me the lines in the architecture of this is, it, is a marvel. Photographers can't stop shooting this church. And so I, I, my, my heart goes out, and I, I wanted and, and to James, go. how do you go online? Just, just you Google St. Gabriel Catholic Church. And it'll it'll all it'll all pop up in front Saint of you. Gabriel Catholic Church. Right. We'll put a link on our Twitter right. page uh, and and make sure that people are able to find it really easily. So right. just come to uh, the Politics Worm 2020 Twitter page and you can. So I, 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 that's all great. of my good that's friends. That's a great uh, back page for now. I would just end with one thing. Uh, my wife's mentor and dear friend oh, uh, James Lair uh, was put to rest. Uh, this week, uh, and, and and it was a one. I went to the ceremony yesterday, uh, little Methodist church right across the street from AU. It was one of the great services I've ever seen, James. It was they had uh, the Marine singer there, the Marine quartet there. James like or Jim Lair like you was a proud Marine. They sang the Marine hymn. They sang Amazing Grace, and 15 people spoke. And you know, if you have 15 people speak, you gotta have a dud or two, right? Not a single one. Everyone. Was was great and in this age when we have you know the kellyanne conway's talking about alternative facts and yelling and screaming about fake news jim lair is just a beacon for what we all should be about uh, right he was and, we'll and you know I, I you know this story and i told it to you jim lair was a huge deal in washington and pbs is considered a, a coastal thing all right it just is all right npr you name it on the 5 o'clock news in New Orleans, which in the 5 o'clock news is the breezy, lost cats kind of coverage, right? Weather. The second story, right. Jim Lair had, he had cred and influence, and he had respect all over the United States. All over. He was a, he was a giant of American journalism. And, and that just, I don't know, for some reason... That so impressed me because sometimes I think maybe we just live in our own bubble. We don't. He impacted people's lives from the Atlantic coast to the Pacific coast. And it, it was an amazing life. He was a man of amazing contributions. And I, I hope we learned something. Well, that's so well said. And, and, and you told me that and I told his his wife and I cannot tell you how uh, how that um, uh, how she loved that. She just lit up when uh, I told her about that New Orleans newscast. I don't mean this sarcastically at all. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. It's wonderful that you have 15 people that speak at your funeral in Washington. But let's not forget this man's influence went way beyond Washington D.C. It went all across the country, and, and he is going to be remembered and respected. Yeah. I agree. Fondly, as he well should be. Boy, that's that's for sure. On that, there is complete, total agreement. Uh, we were doing this show uh, at the end of the week this week because there was so much going on. We wanted to wait to see uh, when the Senate caved. They caved on Friday. 
Uh, and uh, but we'll be back uh, next next week after the Iowa caucuses and after the State of the Union. Oh, I just can't wait for that. So, James, you have a good weekend uh, and uh, be safe. And uh, we'll see you next week. Absolutely. Happy 250th St. Gabriel Catholic Church, St. Gabriel, Louisiana. <laughs> Finally, please subscribe, rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast, and above all, be generous. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.